Hello, and welcome to the dollop. Interesting. <clears throat> this Good is God. a American history podcast. Yes. Each week I read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Why not? Because that's the whole thing. That's the thing. Really? Yeah. You or like are it. you lazy? No, no. It's the that's part of the Lazy Gary. No, it's Gareth Reynolds fucking Gareth. The last goddamn time. You don't know that. Yeah, I do know that. I don't know that. Don't know. <sighs> Whatever. God, you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are <laughs> Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> August 19th. Okay. 1948. Ooh, all right. Michael Eugene Purdue was born in Indiana. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this by saying this is one of those ones I had to write fast. Okay. So we might run into some spelling grammatical situations. Uh, Dave, I think or, I speak for everyone when I say I can't figure out that's happening. okay. We're okay with that. We his, enjoy that. His parents were Flora and Henry Popcorn Purdue. All right, let's just keep going, and let's just <laughs> say that Popcorn was a middle name for a while. <laughs> it's a nickname. Sure. His dad was, dad was a moonshine bootlegger. That's pretty great. But Henry abandoned the family when Mike was just a baby. Listen, you knew the, you knew the deal. You got in so, business with a moonshiner. Why even go into popcorn at that point? Just, <laughs> yeah. well, it's a cover. It's a cover. Call yourself popcorn and then you make, you know, bathtub booze. Popcorn, pop them out. Popping. Uh, so Flora moved the family uh, to Tennessee when Michael was six. Okay. They were a poor hillbilly family. Yeah, moonshine sort of says that that might be the case. Yep. Mike uh, was Flora's favorite, and she spoiled him. He could have anything. He could do anything. Nothing was ever wrong. Oh. Always, always a bad, favorite. Bad, bad. Flora's thing, favorite. Bad thing to do. Why? No, baby him. He had cats. Baby him. He'll grow up understanding how important rules are. He had cats. <laughs> well, see, I like the guy. And he would carry him around by the neck. I'm not a big fan anymore. He. Quote, he killed quite a few cats, his brother Bill said. I just want to retract when I said I liked what I heard earlier about right. the cats, that I obviously got on board very early, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not into this anymore. Uh, the neck grabbing is a red flag. The killing, I'm off. It's not okay with me. Quote, he didn't have a conscience at all, really. Yeah. Okay, again, you know, I, like I said, I jumped in. I jumped in. I jumped in fast. I jumped in hard, and I'm out. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I heard cats. I know. You like cats. Yeah. Then the musical he, and the species. I mean, look, if I'm in the second paragraph of a dollop and I say he liked cats, that's never going to fucking go well. Why would that go well? Why would I bring up cats in the second paragraph? <laughs> not, not only if for but, any, but there, <laughs> there's no way I ever bring up cats in paragraph two if the guy isn't killing them. There's but you no also, other reason to bring up cats. You're also saying he liked cats. Like, he liked cats. Really what you're saying is he liked murder. He loved murder. Yeah. Uh, so when Mike was a teenager, he formed a gang that was inspired by the Ku Klux Klan. You know, um, there's, there's better heroes to have gang-wise? They would beat up blacks and break into vacation homes along the Tennessee River. All right. The gang didn't last long as police figured it out and arrested them. 
Okay. Mike then served time in a state prison. Okay. After being released, Mike was now just a full-blown criminal. Right. In prison, he learned better ways to commit crimes. So, so prison's always worked. Oh, prison's great. Right. His mom remarried, uh, but the second husband wasn't much better. Mike found out he was beating her, so he turned the tables and beat the shit out of his stepdad. All this, and he's still in high school. What? Yeah. Jesus. It's called living. Maybe I'm going to prom. Maybe you should try it sometime. I don't want to try this kind of living. He killed cats. In 1968, his father gassed himself to death in his trailer. Interesting. A week later, Mike enlisted in the Marines. Oh, Jesus, God. Well, he's perfect Marine. Oh, God. Killing machine. You know oh, what I'm God. Saying? Oh, God. Uh, two weeks after entering the Marine Corps, he broke into a house and was arrested. He was charged with petty larceny and then was kicked out of the Marines. Okay. I, I'm going to go ahead and say the Marines dodged a, a bullet. His Marine career lasted an entire seven weeks. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> That's the right amount of time, probably. It's kind of like fucking, a camp. The fucking Vietnam War was on. Yeah, you don't want to be there. He spent time in jail again, and when he got out, he tried to live the straight life, going from job to job. Mike worked watching over patients at a psychiatric hospital. That's pretty awesome. And it's it was a pretty, the 60s. pretty good job. Like that's where they it's want like having cycles. a six-year-old be a lifeguard. But that's where they want maniacs to work in the sixties. It, it you is. You want to beat up some crazy people? Yeah, but you also got to worry that like two of them are like, "That's a good point, my man." Hey, let's do a. You want to form like a, a buddy ship? Is that what they're called? Yeah, a buddy, buddy ship. ship. <laughs> I'll get the boat. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> he also drove a truck. He got another job in a, in a different psychiatric hospital. He tried to work in the drug trade, driving pot up from Texas. But he got swindled out of all of his money. Swindled? Yeah, that's, that's the word I found. Swindled, <laughs> and I decided to keep it. Yeah. Then he learned a great way to defraud banks. Oh, boy. He would look for a home mailbox with the flag raised. Okay. That means there's outgoing letters. Yeah. I mean, they're literally red flags. They literally are red flags. Yeah. He'd steal the letters and hopefully find one with a check. Okay. Then... He'd then learn the info that was on that check, and he would go to the bank and give the teller the name and account number and withdraw cash. It really used to be it very easy to commit fraud with it banks. Was such a different time. Yeah. Mike was 5 feet 11 inches tall and 200 pounds. He had the frame of a bodybuilder, solid forearms, and a thick brown mustache. And he loved soldier stuff. Oh, boy. He read magazines like Soldier of Fortune and Special Weapons and Tactics. Ugh, it's a good this, magazine. Dave, this it's is... It's a good magazine. This is... I mean, you know, obviously when we hear uh, Cats, it's not good, but now we're really starting to we're see... We're into it. We're starting to see this become a pile. Well, we're building something, aren't we? I, and I'm not a fan of what it is. We're building a mic. Oh, God. In uh, the May 1979 issue of Special Weapons and Tactics... The issue had a story about the revolution in Granada. Oh, boy. The deposed president, Eric Gehry, was it's looking Gar for... Or, sorry. No, keep going. <laughs> sorry. Uh, the deposed president, Eric Gehry, was looking for weapons and mercenaries to take Granada back from the communists. Okay. Mike decided he was the perfect man to do it. Oh, boy. He certainly had been talking like he was for some time. He loved telling stories of his time in the battlefields of Vietnam, Southern Africa, and Latin America. He told everyone he was a mercenary. 
He had been fighting in Rhodesia, running guns into Nicaragua, and fighting Mar- Marxists in Uruguay. All not real. <laughs> but that didn't stop him from thinking he was the man to take back Granada. He's going to take back Granada? Hold on to your asshole. So he's just really – he it's, it's not about – it's not about the cause at all. He just is looking to fuck people up. No, he wants to fucking do some shit. Right. He wants to get in there and fight. That's what I mean, though. It's not like he's like... I don't know. Maybe he wants to actually do some battle. <laughs> no. no uh, yes, maybe, he does. But maybe for a moral cause. Do you? Is that... All right. I don't know. So Mike learned that the ex-Granada president, Eric Gary, was in San Diego. Oh, no. Mike got his phone number from a newspaper reporter and, what? Ran, and rang him up. Who's this reporter? Fuck if I know. Good God. Gary agreed to meet Mike. Okay. Yes, I will. Well, remember, this guy is looking for mercenaries to take back his island. Still. At the meeting, Mike told him his mercenary background, which was not real, <laughs> and said he would assemble a group to take back the island. Good. Gary did not agree to or reject the plan. Mm, he just was like, mm, and walked out of the room. Yeah, basically. Okay. Uh, but Mike felt like he was into it and started planning for an invasion of Granada. <laughs> so, he didn't get the green light, but he feels like it was green. He didn't get a not green light. He didn't get a red. First, Yellow means go. That's right. First, Mike went to see American white nationalist, anti-Semite, and former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, David Duke. Oh, God. First? (laughs) Number one? Where are you going to go if you're going to invade Granada? Everywhere else. Uh, Duke was given a speech, and Mike approached him afterwards and explained his awesome plan. Duke wasn't really into invading countries uh, on the side. You know, he had the politics Well, he's got to focus so much on hating races that aren't white. Right. Yeah. But he did give Mike some names of guys who might be interested. Here are some bigger assholes, too. Hey, if someone came to me and they're like, hey, man, you want to invade Granada? I'd be like, I don't, I don't really want to myself, but I know some bros. I know, a lot of, I know a lot of cool dudes who'd be down to do that. Greg Barrett would like to invade Granada. Greg's in. <laughs> um, Kamel Nanjiani would probably like to invade Granada. Sure. Uh, this is going to be a pretty funny invasion so far. Jonah Ray would probably go with with. Uh, well, shit! If they're going, I mean, if I can do a quick set, I'm in. Yeah. So yeah, uh, if I can pick up a gig or two on there, I'll go. All right, Charlie Clausen probably want to invade. We oh well, I'll tell you if his Instagram pictures tell you anything, it's that right? he should invade. Yeah, he's, he looks like a warrior at this point. That's it. We got four. Oh, that's plenty. Uh, the first guy Mike talked to, uh, I would have said Will, but the hips, I just don't see. Yeah, I don't see. He also they had pot there. Well, look, he'll figure out a way to get some, and we will need someone to roll. The first guy Mike talked to told him about Dominica. Dominica means Sunday in Italian. That's the day Christopher Columbus spotted the island, and having no imagination, he named it Sunday. Okay. The French eventually claimed... (laughs) I'm shocked that Columbus wasn't far more creative. Isn't that amazing? He seems like such a deep thinker. Look, there's an island. What day is it? Uh, Sunday, Christopher. Why? We named the island. What will we name it? It's Sunday. No, I know it's Sunday, but what will we name the island, Christopher? We're name the after the day. We're naming it after t- today is Sunday. We're naming it that day so we don't forget that it's Sunday. I Every understand day that it's Sunday. You come to this but... island, it will always be Sunday. Oh, now it makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. So if it's Tuesday and you come here, then it starts the week over. 
We'll call it TGI Sundays. The French eventually claimed Dominica and French missionaries lived there. Uh, in 1763, the island was given to the British after the war. Okay. There you go. Take that. Thank you. We're very happy with this. And yes, thank you kindly. The British then created a government that only represented white people. <laughs> We've done more good work. We actually do this everywhere. Yes. Slaves were brought in to take care of the crops, but many ran away and lived in the mountains and valleys of the island. <laughs> Honestly, it's so much better. Yeah. Like, yeah. Most of the Caribs. Now, it said Caribs in this story. Caribs? Caribs. Okay. Most of the Caribs were killed by smallpox and warfare. Some were assimilated. The remaining Carib people today live on a... So I guess it's natives. Right, okay. Live on a 3,700-acre district on the island's east coast. Okay. Around a total of 70,000 people live on the island. 75% of Dominicans are of African descent. And defense. And defense. There is a small European minority. On November 3rd, 1978, the Commonwealth of Dominica was granted independence by the United Kingdom. Okay. You can go be free. Off you go. You don't have to go home, but you, you can't stay here, here, my friend. No, thank yeah, please, you. fuck off, then. Fuck, fuck off. Uh, you shit. Fuck off. Yeah, dirty little... You, don't give me those puppy dog eyes. Off the crumpets. Now, fuck off. Look, I'm telling you, we don't want you anymore. Leave. You're tiny. God, you just can't go, can you? Cricketer and football player Patrick John was the first prime minister. <laughs> Good. He had a rival, uh, Eugenia Charles, who wrote anonymous newspaper columns attacking Patrick John's policies. Okay. She was then elected to the legislature as a member of the opposition party. So she just talked shit on him and then got elected? Yeah, she talked. She wrote a bunch of shit articles about him in the paper and then was like, I'm going to get in there. Okay. Um, so, uh, oh, this move forward. She was then elected to the legislature as a member of the opposition party. Because she was a woman, the premier tried to enact a dress code. Eugenia Charles then came the next day dressed in a bathing suit. Wait, she they he they tried to, he tried to do a he tried to do a dress code, right? So saying like skirts only or whatever. And, she and then like, so oh. she to combat that came in a bikini the next day. Yeah, she showed that shit off, bro. But that that should be that like if you're if you made that rule, you're like, well, actually, this worked out pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, all women must follow this dress code now. <laughs> yeah, everyone, N- no bikinis. Get your pants on. Off. The island also had a group of militant Rastafarians who were known as the Dreads. Okay, it's getting a Cute. little Disneyish. Cute, a little Disneyish bad guy. Hey, with the Dreads, mon. You'd like to come? To, oh, I can't do it. No, that. let's hear it. No. The dreads. But dreads, man. Makes sense, man. Because we got dreadlocks. I can't do it. Aye. They rejected anything that had to do with the white man. That included Western medicine, food, and clothes. And by clothes, I mean they would walk naked along the side of the road. Boom. There you go. <laughs> Take that convention. <laughs> they, this is the kind of shit you can fucking pull when you're on a fucking Caribbean island. Yeah. But you can't do that if it's Iceland. No. You know? So no. okay, hey, yeah. great battle you won there. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. Dude, it's Fucking gotta be weird when you're fighting naked people. Got him weather Rastafarians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had snow, you bastards. Uh 
they would also not walk on the road. They would walk beside it because asphalt was brought by the white man. Yeah. Fuck whitey. Grew pot in remote hills. See, th- now this is, these are my people. Yeah. They would also raid plantations for food and attack farmers, whites, tourists, and the police. Yeah, they're losing me a little. They would spit on or stone tourists. Okay, so again, I like to get on early, and I shouldn't be doing that. I'm off of this bandwagon again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hear all the facts from now on before I determine. Dreads killed an American. I'm out. Again, I'm out. And then they killed a retired Canadian couple. Like I said, I'm I'm way off of this one. Yeah, no, not my people. Not my people. This all led to a huge drop in tourism. And then the government passed the Prohibited and Unlawful Societies and Associations Act. This made it illegal to be a dread. Okay. So now it's illegal to be, so it's illegal to be a person. Is it illegal to be a Rastafarian? Or a it's, dread. It's illegal to be... You couldn't support the dreads and you couldn't have dreadlocks. But, okay. That's asking a good amount. Killing or wounding a dread found inside a dwelling, a building of any sort, was legal. What? If you found a, if you found a fucking dread in a house, you could kill Hiding? Them. You could just kill them? You, anywhere. If he was walked in, he was like, where's the bathroom of mine? You'd get to shoot him in the head. <laughs> right there. <laughs> the island's 160 soldiers and police officers went on the attack. The 300 dreads were chased through the forests and had shootouts. With law enforcement. Now, this all went bad for Patrick John on May 29th, 1975. Protests broke out after John, try- John tried to outlaw strikes. <laughs> That's such a hard thing to outlaw. No more strikes, man. Yeah, and then... Hey, it's an island. Yeah, and then someone, and then people are like, no, we strike. That's bullshit. Not anymore, man. <laughs> yeah. Rocks were thrown by protesters. Uh, defenses Defense forces shot back at them. A 19-year-old protester was killed and 10 were wounded. Members of Pat... And this is... Remember, this is a tiny island, so... Yeah. It's like shooting at a... It's like a high school having a war. Right. Members so it's of, like an American high school? Yeah. All right. Members of Patrick John's government slowly bailed on him. He had no majority suddenly, and Eugenia Charles was elected prime minister. Okay. What's up, bathing suit? All right. So we got, a, we got Prime Minister Bikini in the house. That's what I'm talking about. Three months later, Hurricane David hit Dominica. 42 people were killed. 75% of the homes were destroyed or severely damaged, and the banana harvest was toast. The UK, France, the US, and Canada all helped the island. Coordinating the foreign military assistance was senior officer of the Dominica Defense Force, Captain Reed. He had also ordered the shooting of the protesters. Okay, great. Back in the US, Mike... Met a man named Arnie Polly. Named Army Polly? Arnie. Arnie Polly. Polly. Okay. Polly had gone to Dominica to scout it out. That was where they planned to stage the invasion of Granada. Polly was disappointed when he met Mike. Quote, he gave me the standard, we've got to get these commies. This guy was weird, but I thought... If he's a Vietnam vet, maybe he got fucked up over there and he's got post-traumatic stress. He was a little puffed up, uh, a little baby ape. <laughs> what? And he, but, and he agreed to be a part of this? Yeah, I'm still going to work with the guy. I mean, he's yeah, he's okay. a baby ape. 
He's so let's see what up, he can do. He's like a little puffed up squishy baby ape guy. Puffed but you know what? He seems like a fucking, He's like a little puffed up squishy baby ape guy who just talks a bunch of shit. But I'm on board. But I'll follow him to the gates of hell. Hey, you sound okay. Okay. Polling to a Tennessee lawyer named J.W. Kirkpatrick, who he thought could toss some money into the venture. At that point, after hearing about Dominica from Polly, Mike suddenly thought invading Dominica might be a better idea. Sorry, but... What? That's not... What do you mean? That's quite an audible. Well, an island's an island. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, okay, so he just... It sounds like a bad... Here's why it sounds like a bad move. What? It, it sounds like there's a lot of countries who, are, who have been trying to help it. Uh-huh. So it sounds like... You know, you're not necessarily going up just against them. You're going up with uh, kind of an international force. Have you ever wanted an island? Have I ever wanted an island? Yeah. Um, no, I'll yeah. be honest. So you're right. Maybe I'm not in a position to so say you don't that. have a lot of like uh, aspirations, motivation, or aspirations or anything like okay. that. Okay. Do you want? Do you have you? Do you want to own an island? Yeah, I'm gonna. You're gonna. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, good There's talk. There's a bunch down there that no one's taken. Sure, yeah, no. And by the way, now's the time to buy an island with the lowering of our sea it. levels. Just take it. Yeah, take it. Sure, sorry to infer that you would do anything sort of legal to get it. I apologize for that. They met with the rich lawyer and told him it would be easier to take over Dominica. He said investors could open up casinos. Who's this lawyer? This is the guy that Polly knew. Oh, and then he, he – so he's giving- – J.W. Kirkpatrick. So Paulie introduces Mike to the lawyer. And the and lawyer – says, you know what? I've been looking around on there, and I think that this Dominica is the way to go. We and the lawyer up- is like, as a lawyer, I think he's right. And he could open up casinos and banks. So this is just like a fucking cash run. Sure. Kirkpatrick gave Mike $10,000 cash. It's a great investment. Yeah. Turn, Smart. Turn into more money. Yeah. Then Mike and Paulie went to Dominica to, quote – Look at the situation and see if we could create a coup. It's the right order, too, to go in. You know, get, yeah, get all the funding and then get down there and weigh it. They took pictures of everything. Then they returned and Paulie went back to Canada and he never heard from Mike again. Interesting. So, good. Smart. Mike didn't like Paulie, it turns out. So a new guy came in. Wolfgang Droge, also known as Wolf. Okay, I'm all ears. Wolf was a German-Canadian. He was also into white people. He had spent 14 days in jail in 1975 for spraying white power slogans on a store in Toronto. <laughs> Lowest white power crime ever. Yeah, I mean, that is a white power collar crime. He, he wanted to create an exclusively white state for those wishing to live in an area among their own kind. Call it Whiteland. Wolf. Wolf. He was a great recruiter. For the Canadian KKK, of which he was a founding member. Oh, God. The Canadian KKK? Yep. The CKK. God, I wish the Canada started with a K. <laughs> so Wolf went to Dominica to have a look-see. He met a couple of guys who were trying to open a casino in Dominica, but weren't getting cooperation from the government. Wolf told them his plan, but they weren't down with overthrowing the government. They were, however, from Vegas. And they invited Wolfgang and Mike to come to the city, and they were going to introduce them to their rich friends. To 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 get to take over a country, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not an independent film. <laughs> it's America. This is what you do. We got. I'm going to make plans. Yeah, a guy He's, named Wolf is like, "Yeah, come to Vegas. We can meet uh, some of my." Way. Come, you can meet some of my rich friends. They love to invest. Come they love on. to gamble. Come up with a plan. 
Right? Write it down, then you go do something. Yeah, then meet a guy named Wolf and go meet his friends somewhere. Mike and Wolf spent five weeks living in a hotel in Vegas trying to convince investors to come on board for their island takeover. Now, Mike. I'm sick of staying at the Excalibur. <laughs> this place is a shithole. What about the Sahara? Vast. Okay, look. Okay, circus, circus. Yeah? I think we maybe I can get a cheap room over at Stratosphere. Please. We, uh, if possible. Just the Strat. Stratosphere? Hello. It's this all... is Wolf. Hi. Okay, so as they stayed there, Mike's. Did you say Hyle? I did say Hyle. Hilo. Hilo. This is Wolf. This is Wolf. Do you have any vacancies for down in the Excalibur? So now, as they stayed there, Mike's story started to get bigger while they were there. <laughs> oh, good. He was telling people he was connected to the State Department now. <laughs> that must be one of those things that, like, because you hear, you're probably hearing the versions of this grow, that the first day State Department comes out, you're like, that's interesting. Wait, dude, we're three weeks in. I yeah, I, State that, Department that's the first time yeah, I've heard yeah, State, State Department. I didn't want to tell you. Yeah. I know guys at the <laughs> And then five meetings later, he's like, so I work at the State Department. And the CIA. Yeah, so... Uh, and he said the statement department would take care of any problems they ran into. Oh, good. He also started saying he was connected to the Reagan campaign, and that if Reagan was elected, they'd have a lot of influence. Good. No one from Vegas invested in this amazing, amazing plan. <laughs> you know, if there's one town that's going to give you money for your crazy bullshit, it really Thanks. should be this one. Uh, Wolfgang went back to his day job at manager of Capital Business Forms, where he made twenty three thousand a year. <laughs> oh man, he wanted his own country so bad. Oh. Mike then went to Jackson, Mississippi, uh, and met a guy named Danny Hawkins. Hawkins. Just, everybody just has to have an animal in their name. Yeah, the hawk. I just got finished working with a wolf. <laughs> Time to meet a hawk. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> That's how he wakes up every morning. <laughs> I can't stay married to you. I can't. Why? It freaks me out. Every <laughs> oh, God, I didn't know you were sleeping. Uh, Hawkins was a 37-year-old father of three. Oh, boy. Like his dad, he was a Klansman. Ah, good. He was considered to be fearless and idealized the German racial myth. Mike told Hawkins he was starting an incursion to stop the advance of communism. Hawkins didn't care about money. He just wanted to stop commies. He introduced Mike to Ellie Matthews, an ex-imperial wizard of the KKK. Ugh. And Matthews gave Mike a check for $3,000. I, I think we've talked about but the, the idea that they call themselves wizards is know, so stupid. He's an ex-wizard over here. Like what? Really? I mean, you're it's ex, so nerdy. Now you're an ex, if once you're a wizard, aren't you always a wizard? A wizard. No, a it's wizard. fucking idiotic. And if I am racist enough, eventually I'll be a bridge troll. I'm the Dark Goblin! <laughs> Which one? Louisiana! <laughs> Have you met the Dark Goblin from Louisiana? If you get a seat next to that guy, don't move. He's awesome. He's great. <laughs> Mike then got a meeting with former Dominica Prime Minister Patrick Jean. Wow. Patrick John was now a pig farmer and ran a gas station. So that's probably something he told his fellow employees, and they were like, right, anyway, uh, go fill up that fucking car. 
You know, I used to be the prime minister of Dominica. Yeah, right? Get over uh-huh. there. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Go clean Unless that dude's windshield. Sorry, prime minister. Is this your pig? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's my pig. Okay. Mike said he was an expert. Uh, uh, sorry. Mike said he was an American exporter. Quote, I'd be interested in financing, you know, a coup for the island, Mike told John. A day later, Mike was presented with a letter of intent. Quote, I, Patrick John, do hereby agree in principle with the general provisions of the proposed agreement subject to further discussions and amendments. So it's rather vague. I mean, it's vague for legality. It's reasons, pretty obviously. vague, yeah. Because you want to leave a gray to, area. You tell you got to, uh, you know, have a coup on your island, but you also want to make it sound like you might just be trying to get a little wiggle room to make a pig farm. Totally. What my, do you mean coup? He did what? Oh, from the pig farm oh, agreement? No, come on, I was talking about pigs. Now I know you're lying. No, I was talking about pigs. I wasn't talking about no coup. I uh, know. <laughs> come on, baby. No, baby. <laughs> Oh, boy, that high voice gets you. I got to stop smoking. (laughs) Mike used this letter to get more money out of Ellie Matthews, who sent him a check for $4,800. Okay, so here's the thing, right? What he is doing Uh is clearly effective, but wouldn't it just be so much smarter to just, once you have that letter, just be a fucking con man? Well, that's kind of what it seems like he's doing, right? Yeah, but he's not. But is he? But where's that well, money? He's got seven thousand, seventeen thousand eight hundred dollars. But it so feels far. like that money is not like he's not swindling people. He is getting ready for some sort of revolution, well, in which he, he ends up with an island. Maybe unlike you, he has a little integrity. Uh, Dave, this no, that's not fair. Mike then created a company called Nortic Enterprises. Okay, get it, Nordic? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, in case you didn't know, a white guy oh, in oh. his head. This is how it would work. I work for Aryan Industries. Mike would get a fee for overthrowing the government of Dominica. That fee would go to Nordic Enterprises. Any revenue from the island, like logging, agriculture, airports, banks, casinos, and tourist facilities, would also go to Nordic. Mike's plan was to have Patrick John give all the rights of all that stuff to Nordic tax-free. Mike figured with this great plan, he could sell shares in Nordic and use that money to raise money for the coup. And mercenaries would each get shares in the company as payment. Michael, Mike was going to sell shares for $6,000 each. It's a good idea. So, it's a pyramid scheme? It's a coup pyramid scheme. No, it's not a pyramid scheme because you're actually going to make money on the other end. You are? Yeah, because if you invest... But you're... Not, but Right. Okay. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's it, a terrible scheme. It's a terrible scheme. Right. It's a terrible plan. It's really... Right. It doesn't sound like it's something you should invest in. doesn't feel like you'll be getting your money back. Now, Patrick John's supporters on the island were getting excited by this idea. They wanted Mike to come to the island to meet Major Frederick Newton, head of the military... Captain Reed, second in command of the military, and two dread leaders. Okay. The dreads now wanted to get rid of Eugenia Charles and apparently bring back into the power the guy who had made their existence illegal. That's how much they hated it? It's a very small island. They don't like her now, so now they're like, hey, remember that guy who made us illegal, man? Hey, we missed, Let's the, get we him missed the guy who made here. us illegal the last time. The guy who was like, hey, fuck you, you can't exist, man. We want that fella back. He's better than what we got now, man. 
The, def- the defense force officers told Mike the best way to go about getting weapons on the island, the best way to go about getting weapons on the island to take it over. Oh, right. So they said, yeah, they told them the best way to get weapons. They promised with weapons, they had enough manpower to get it done with the mercenaries backing them up. Then they made Mike an honorary member of the defense force. Whoa. Mike was now a captain. <laughs> Whoa. Take that, naysayers. <laughs> Y'all didn't believe. Captain Reed said, quote, he spoke like he had guides lined up to come in here tomorrow. He spoke about Vietnam special forces. He also spoke about having some business connections, access to funds. He spoke an impressive line. <laughs> Mike went to Houston, and with Patrick John's letter of intent, he showed the money to an investor who gave him $10,000 in cash and two checks, one for 12000 and one for 20000 What? Why? Just to fund this this thing that isn't going to happen? So now he's made $59,000. What the fuck? I think if I have that all right. Just off the letter of intent. Mike also had a five-page contract from Patrick John. After the coup, Mike would have a senior post in the militia. Oh, my God. He would handle the supervision and training of the National Defense oh Force. Oh, my God. The Nordic company would be paid $50,000 for the coup. Mike would get 2.5% of an $80 million development loan that, that Patrick John believed he would then get from foreign donors. Nordic Enterprises would get tax exemption for 20 years. All Mike had to do was return Patrick John to power within one month. I mean... And it's going to be hard because he's basically... Just got experience as a truck driver and watching over people in and a he's crazy in house. And he's been in jail. And he's in charge. Well, he's a leader. I, I mean, <laughs> he's a leader. If only, if only they knew about the mental institution stuff. They'd probably be like, wait, <laughs> what was that part? Dude, I want my money back. After that, Mike struck a deal with the Dreads. After taking over, Mike would finance and build build a depot that would buy pot from the dreads and send it to foreign markets. What? And Mike offered to let the dreads grow cocoa to make cocaine. <laughs> but they were, they were opposed to cocaine. Yeah, they it's were, white, man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Too white, man. But Mike, that's so funny to think like, I'll give you guys a depot where you guys, we can, you can grow your weed and we'll send your weed all over the world and make tons of money. All right, man, I like where your head's up, yeah, man. man. okay. And man. then also what we'll do is we'll grow cocoa fields so that you guys oh, no, can man. make cocaine. No, man, Because no. you're drug addicts and no, black. No, that's not what we're about. Can you get rid of the bathing suit, lady? That got Sorry, weird. is there an Irish, Irish guy in the we got, dreads? We got an Irish guy over here. Murphy, <laughs> sit down, man. <laughs> Sorry about that, lads. Sorry. I get, a lot, I get fired up about the bathing suit lady who happens to be my ex-wife. <laughs> he's like Mowgli from the Jungle Book. He's just like bitter. He's, he, as a baby, he was around dreads his whole life. Just this little white Irish fuck. <laughs> Mowgli, come up here, man, and talk to the dude. Mike offered mercenary recruits $3,000 each as well as a share of Nordic Enterprises. He put a classified ad in the newsletter, Les Mercenaries. Now it is becoming a pyramid scheme. (laughs) 
now it's definitely. It read, quote, security personnel interested Caribbean work, five-year term, 10000 to 15000 bonus, 250 a month. But, and there's just no – I mean there's – this is not feasible, right? What he's pro- – I Why mean not? there's – Because I mean this is like – it's like when, when companies do like future shared income or whatever where they're like this is what our profits might be. So it's just, it's a bunch we'll of, take bonuses now. No, but it's like a bunch, if a bunch of guys get a bunch of guns, can they go down and take down a, a fucking – it's like a high school island? Like it's not – we're not talking about – No. Yeah, they can. I, I, Why really? couldn't they? He's getting actual s- soldiers. Well, they're KKK guys. Yeah, it, it's not. It's going to happen. <laughs> Hang think. in there. Hang okay. in there. Hawkins brought on two buddies. Bill Waldrop had no military training and joined for one, re- one reason, to fight communism. Cool. He was, quote, pretty sure the U.S. government was behind the invasion of Dominica. Did, your, did, did this get spell-checked every time he wrote blacks to go to communism? It just sounds like what they like these all the KKK guys being like, yeah, fuck commies. It's like they're like, we just can't. By commies, I mean a we black, gotta, a we black gotta, island of commies. Gotta kill someone. George Malvini had served in the Navy, but had to leave because his clan work didn't mix with his Navy job. Sure. He also wanted to stop communism. Sure. Sure. Mike then met Don Black through uh, Wolfgang. Black had military training. Quote. I believe in America. He was a grand dragon. Sorry, sorry. That's the quote? That's the quote. Okay. He was a grand dragon from the, of the Alabama Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. How can your last fucking name be black and you're a grand dragon? <laughs> Welcome, grand dragon black. Wait a minute. No, no. What? Yeah, Question. Yeah. You a nigga? No. Wait, no. Say it freely. Sorry. <laughs> don't know why uh, he. Don't know why I had such an adverse reaction. Yeah, why'd to that. you get weird about that? Because I, I some of my friends are dead. <laughs> some of my good buddies are. All right, guys. Let's get to the. Let's get to the snacks and punch. Black thought the U.S. government was backing the coup. Mike Norris is a twenty-year-old security guard. He had no because military experience. Everyone lied. Mike Norris was a 21-year-old security guard. He was a 21-year-old security guard. He had no military experience, but figured someone would show him what to do. <laughs> There's nobody. There's that's nobody how, to show you what to do. Us, that's how half of us went into Iraq. Oh, my. Honestly. Larry Jacklin had spent six months in the Can- Canadian Armed Forces Reserve. Bring him along. In the Armed Forces Reserve. She, six bring him months. along. Start the bench players. That means six times you went. Yeah. Whatever. You got a problem with that? He lived with his He parents. could be a general. He lived with his parents. Well, I'll tell you what. Who knows how to fight better than kids and parents? And worked at a furniture factory. Oh, well, now, I mean, this guy This guy's great. This guy's perfect because who knows more about the cushion you need politically than a I'm out. I got nothing. Larry's big concern was that he'd have to live with the blacks once they took over the island. These guys. So a guy who lives with his parents – is worried that if he gets to a Caribbean island, that he'll have to live with black people. <sighs> Boy, it's a wonder anyone gets out of the basement. Mike told him he would not have to live with black people. No, don't worry, dude. No, there's. You know what? You no. go live with them. No, no. There's a white fine. part of the island. You'll be fine. Yeah, you, you go to the white part. Who's this man? Huh? Oh, uh, this is the guy who's going to be living with you. Get the fuck out of here. Is this fella with us then? Uh, hey, what are we doing back there, Morgan? 
It's Murphy. Oh, sorry. You're fucking right. Uh, what? Because uh, I'm on an island? I'm like, Captain right, Morgan's Murphy, 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 control, Murphy, control yourself, man. Jesus fucking Back down, Christ. man. Larry got Bob Pritchard, a Vietnam vet, in. Bob was also working as a security guard. Oh, good. So he does know how to patrol. Bob was excited to kill communists for money. My God. Sheriff's Deputy Christopher Anderson answered the ad in Le Mercenary. Mike met him and said he was a former sergeant in the Marine Corps, a Vietnam vet, and listed his medals. Anderson would serve as first sergeant in the Dominica Defense Force. Okay. I mean, these guys are getting now, great positions in this hypothetical army. Now, but right, now, so this is like, so now we have a legitimate guy who served in Nam. Now, yeah. if you're talking to the blowhard from fucking Vietnam, you immediately know he's a blowhard. Yeah, right. But he, but they don't, don't they want to believe? Yeah, they don't do. they want to believe that they can go play like a carnival game with communists? They want to fuck some shit up, man. Yeah. Mike then tried to recruit his brother Bill. Okay. Bill said he was quote fucking nuts to march. <laughs> hey, Bill, where you been all podcast, baby? <laughs> fucking nuts to march in the Dominica. <laughs> Okay, we're not going to march. We're going to take a boat, though, so maybe you're fucking uh, You do not talk to... Maybe you're the stupid one, because we're not going to march in. I'm basically march the... on water. Fuck you, Bill. Mom said you're stupid. I'm basically the head of an imaginary military, so watch your tongue, bro. Bill's wife asked... What the fuck's your plan? Mike, why would you go want to go down there with all these black people? You're with that, big shots in the KKK. That is the issue. I mean, that's the, that is the issue people have. Mike had a great answer. It's going to be different down there. It's going to be like having a bunch of slaves. I'm going to own them. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And those are spelled with Ks. That's my cool, cool, cool. Did I mention that Patrick John is a black guy? Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor guy. He's like, let's do this, man. He's like, for sure. Hey, can I size you for a collar? Oh, what? No, nothing. Whatever. I just want to get it from the pigs. Yeah. I just want to get it from the fucking pigs, yeah. man. Yeah. Okay? Anything. I was running an island, and now... Yeah. I'm a pig farmer, and I got a shell. Yeah. I got a fucking shell gas station. You work for me. Mike, brought, Mike bought 3,000 rounds of ammunition at gun shows. Wolfgang found them a boat captain who would take the mercenaries to the island. His name was Captain Mike Howell, and the ship was the Manana. <laughs> oh, tomorrow. Let's see. Yeah. Mike told them the purpose of the trip was marina research. Yep, we're going to research how to own it. The Manana did uh, towing, salvage work, took divers to explore underwater archaeological sites, helped documentary film workers, and uh, researchers. Same thing. It's and the same thing. How was a Vietnam vet. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He lived on his boat, and he knew pretty much everything that went on around the lakefront. When Mike showed up saying he was from Alaska and holding an automatic rifle, Hal wasn't really buying the marina research story. Yeah, we want to shoot... Um, fish. Coral and... Well, part of our research... Fish. Our research is seeing how bullets do in the ocean. So, start her up. Let's get moving. Do you like peanut butter? Uh, what? We got sandwiches. He asked Mike what was really going on. <clears throat> and Mike explained that he wanted to take mercenaries down to Dominica and that he was working for the CIA. All right. <laughs> All right. Look, look, look. Listen. 
When I said I wanted you to help us research the marina, what I meant is... I'm invading an island. So... You in? How the greed? (laughs) Well, I've heard enough. (laughs) This plan sounds great. Yeah, he had to be like... like, It had to be one of those where he's like, Sir, Uh, without question, that is one of... The greatest things I've ever heard, and yes, I'm in it. I will follow you there. Am I in? How far? <laughs> How far? Well done. Thank you. <clears throat> the next day, Hal introduced Mike to his business partner, John Osberg, and Mike explained the plan. The entire thing was moving forward. I can't believe it. But then on February 19th, Prime Minister Eugenia Charles addressed the nation of Dominica. Uh-oh. She said... A group of, quote, rejected politicians and their hangers-on were trying to destabilize the country, and she declared a state of emergency. Uh Uh-oh, that doesn't help anything. Captain Reed was arrested. In jail, he wrote a note to his friend and co-conspirator, Major Newton. He then gave the note to a traffic officer. Smart. Um, (laughs) That is a good person to give it to. Promise you won't open it? You promise you won't open it? Promise. You swear to God. Hey. Give me that pinky. Hey. Give me that pinky. Barney. Barney, look me in the eyes. Give me that pinky. What do you, what do you say? Say it. I promise. Say it. The whole thing. I promise I won't open the letter. Okay. My, Give it okay, to me. All right. Holy cool. shit, dude. What are you fucking what doing? What are you doing? I'm reading the letter, you idiot. The note explained how Mike's plan would proceed and what Norton should do, including an attack on the jail to release... So first thing you're going to want to do is get me out of here. Right. Uh, It is terrible. Number one is change. Number one is now get me out of prison. Oh, yeah. And then we'll get moving with the rest of it. And then island, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. The traffic officer took the note to the criminal investigations unit. I didn't see that coming. No, no. I didn't see that coming. Yep. (laughs) Then Patrick John, Major Newton, and several others were arrested. Oh, no. The Prime Minister explained the entire plot to the nation in a second radio address. Oh, Jesus. So Mike switched up his plan. (laughs) Please tell me he just became a cobbler. (laughs) First, he would break the guys out of jail and then proceed with with the couple. Oh, this is where I got fucked up. Okay. So he'd break them out of jail and then proceed with uh, those couple of guys to then take over the island. So the plan is basically the same. It just has a new first part. Yeah, now it's break out the military Break leaders. out all the people I need to make well, the, the two, original you, bullshit you need, plan. You need the military leaders. So two, two-pronged, two-pronged, two-pronger. Meanwhile, Wolfgang sent a lady friend, Marion McGuire, to Dominica to check out the situation. But she wasn't that into checking the stuff out idea. A friend said, quote, all she saw was a free Caribbean hotel and boobs. Oh, that, just picturing her like, beach day, beach day. <laughs> She's just doing a crossword puzzle by the pool like, ugh, I could get used to this. April 25th, 1981. All the mercenaries met at Howard Johnson's in Baton Rouge. Okay. That's a hot place. I'll see you at the Hojo's. Bring your guns. Hojo's. But two cops were eating at the Hojo's restaurant, so they went to the Days Inn Hotel instead. Oh, God. <laughs> Hal and Osberg were waiting for them at the boat, along with another guy named Grafton. 
can can I just say though, if 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 you are now eventually meeting on how to take over an island at a day's in, are you not thinking maybe oh, the plan's losing a little bit of that's, steam? That's where most of it happened. Okay, I just want to make sure. That's where they planned. That's uh, where Stalin was. D Day. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Um. Uh, so. Uh, so there's a third guy Grafton there. When Mike got there, they went into the cabin, and Mike opened up his briefcase and put down $9,800 in cash. I'm 200 short, Mike said. And he promised Howell another 10000 and oh, He promised Howell 10000 and told him he'd get him the extra 200 when they got to the island. Sure, where money will be everywhere. That's, that's totally reasonable. Yeah. Look, if a guy is planning to invade an island and he needs your boat, and he doesn't, he's, two, face, and he's 200 short. Yeah. It's fine. It's not it's a fi- His face is going to be on flag. the fucking money soon. Thank you. Mike was then uh, told no one could carry guns on the ship. Everything had to be put into bags to avoid the crew from becoming suspicious. Mike agreed, and everyone talked about what they would do after. Osberg and Grafton discussed the next job they had lined up. Wolf said he was going to open up a cocaine processing lab on Dominica. Mike <laughs> said he would have 3 to $5 million in five years. Hey, just regular dreams from a day's in. Later that night, Mike met with the mercenaries and went over the invasion plan at the day's in. So we go up and then hey, we take it. Hey, don't sit on the bed. Sorry. Fuck, man. I had the fucking lady come up here sorry, earlier dude. today. Sorry, dude. She turned shit down. It's sorry. Don't fuck, I just I'm don't sorry. sit on the fucking bed, man. I'm sorry. Hey, look at the shower cap. What the fuck are you doing? I'm just Take wearing the shower the cap without shower. showering. It looks funny. I'm gonna use the shower cap for it my It looks hair funny tonight. when I just wear fuck, it. Fuck, man. Hey, dude, I gotta this take a piss. Fucking thing is poor. I gotta pee. Jim's in the fucking bathroom. That's why he I'm wondering, pee. can I use that sink that's outside in an awkward hey, position? What kind of mercenary pees in the sink? Hey, I, I, look, fine. I just what the fuck, you guys, dude. We're done. Are we're, we a fucking invasion force or are we a bunch of fucking clowns? Uh, we're not a bunch of fucking clowns, but can I make a suggestion? We yeah. hit the vending machine and get a bunch of Fritos Okay, and we'll hit the vending the machine. Maybe we do it before the meeting so yeah. that we're all... You know what? We'll do it after the fucking meeting. Hey, dude, your toilet won't flush. Fuck. Oh, give me that shower cap. I'm going to go outside and smoke. Oh, uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike gave out maps and sketches of the police station. Sure. The next night... <laughs> sketches. Sketches. I can only fucking imagine. Yeah, of course. The next night, they drove to the meeting place at Fort Pike State Park. Okay. There, they were going to get into vans that would take them to the ship. Osberg and Grafton showed up in, in the two vans, one for the guys and one for the guns. Osberg laid down the rules. On the ship, they would follow the captain's orders. If the Coast Guard approached, they had to dump everything overboard. Then all the equipment was loaded into one van. Ammunition crates, bandoliers... Rubber rafts, water jugs, fatigues, first aid kits, walkie-talkies, shotguns, rifles, and bottles of Jack Daniels. Hey, for celebrating. Hey, I've got to a, to a job that's for sure going to be good. There were twenty six of dynamite in an ammunition box and wow. a grocery bag containing tear gas and hand grenades. There were safety fuses and blasting caps wrapped in paper napkins and a cardboard box in Christmas wrapping paper that held 10 electric blasting caps. They had, a 12, they had 10 12-gauge shotguns, a Ruger 223 Model Mini 14, a Browning 243 with a field scope, a Plainfield M1 paratrooper, a Remington 30-06, a Sterling AR-180, and eight Gwyn Bushmaster rifles. You still think they're fucking a joke? You still think they're a joke? Not as funny. <laughs> How, but did they have to hide all that when they get it on? 
No, uh, they just have to put it in like containers on the ship, just oh. so the crew doesn't see it. But yeah. they don't. They don't have to. I mean, it's not going to be hard. It's, right. it's going to be in boxes. Okay. Don't look at it's, me like that, motherfucker. It's all played out. They're fucking. They're gonna, people are going to be like, "Oh, you're the research guys," and it's going to be in a research box. Yep. Oscar. Just a bunch of beakers in here and sample tubes and uh, <laughs> microscopes. Stop pushing. You're making it too obvious. We're just saying we're definitely science. Sci- we're here for scientific. We're here on a on a from scientific nature. Why can't I say science? It's like it's like we have guns in the boxes. Why would I say guns in the boxes? Shut up. When all that we hey, have, all that we have, let me finish. All that we have are instruments shut and up. measuring devices, and to think that we have enough guns to take over a country, take over a country. Who's talking about taking over a country? Why do you guys say take over a country when I'm just sitting here telling you what that these boxes you? don't have guns in them, they don't have dynamite in them, they're just a bunch of instruments that we're going to use when we get out there. We're scientists, and by the way, while we're at it, nobody ask any scientific questions because these are not guns. Good to meet everyone. Oh my god. I think that went pretty well. I mean, I probably should have cut it off halfway through, but I think up there, I think we got the crew. I think the crew's behind it. I said don't say anything. I, you know, I said one word, and then it just snowballed, and I agree. That was overt. I agree. Next time, just say we're sciencing. I w- then that's where it started from. It started from that. Did you bring the DVDs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. I should go tell the crew that we have DVDs, not guns. <laughs> Osberg and Mike drove in the van with all the weapons. When they reached the dock, the two men got out, where ATF agent Osberg then informed Mike Perdue he was oh. under arrest. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man, the look. Oh, right? The, the look. look. The look. What? Why? What? Why? Uh... In the other van with all the mercenaries, Bob Pritchard saw ATF agent Grafton pull out a handgun. <laughs> Pritchard quickly pulled out a thirty-eight from his waistband and pointed it at someone's head. Oh, God. He doesn't remember whose head he pointed the gun at. What? So That should be guy, something you're thinking of when you point the gun at someone. Well, the guy's in the back, right? And then, and then, and then the so, guy who's driving so, the van so, pulls out a gun. So, so the guy in the back just whips out his gun and points it at anybody's head. I'll kill this One other the, guy. That you- I'll kill the other bad guy with me. <laughs> All right. Nobody move or I kill the guy you're also trying to kill. <laughs> Great threatening. Agent Grafton informed Pritchard he was a federal agent. Pritchard said, quote, what kind of federal agent? Oh, God, what? <laughs> Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, to which Pritchard said, oh, shit, <laughs> and gave his gun to Grafton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? What department? Oh, uh, here you go. And that, actually, I oh, should give that, you some info on some of these guys I maybe didn't give you yeah, before. Uh, I'm ready to talk. Then a gang of officers leaped upon Pritchard. It was a big operation with eight ATF agents, 10 FBI agents, eight state police, seven custom agents, and one member of the local police with a Coast Guard vessel docked nearby. God, they're so sure they're getting away with it at this point, too. Turns out Captain Howell had not been down with a coup idea the whole time. Well, you know, that's he took to it so fast. Of course he did. Of course he, he did. He was like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. From, uh, what are you doing? Let me get I all, let me this... get, a, let's get everyone's numbers. Yeah. Let's start an email list. Immediately. Like, yeah, yeah I'm down for your invasion. Oh, you don't want to go check out rocks? Yeah, let's take over Dominica. As soon as Mike told him that he wanted the ship for a coup, Howell immediately called the FBI 
an ATF. Wow. The next day, Agent Osberg was posing as his business partner, recording everything that was happening. Oh, God. Agent Grafton was brought in later due to his KKK connections. He'd once infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan, quote, just to show it could be done. Wow. So he's, he's awesome. Yeah. The mercenaries. He's Donnie Brasco. He is. Yeah. The mercenaries were all very surprised. I'm sure. They thought the coup was a State Department and CIA operation. Oh, that's right. Right. That's right. So they were like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, awesome. what's up, guys? That's cool. That's, are we all doing this? Why are you this? pointing the gun? Should we all get our guns out and point them? What's going on? Because if the government is going to sponsor a coup on island, they're going to use a bunch of Canadian security guards. Yeah, obviously. It makes sense. Quote, we were totally shocked when we were arrested in our own country, Black says. We thought that the government had its signals crossed. We couldn't believe that we were actually going to be in trouble here. It was just a total shock to us. Wolfgang was adamant that he hadn't broken any laws. <laughs> right away. I, uh, now, to be honest, I've done nothing. Like, a lot of these guys yeah. did other stuff. Yeah. But I've been, like, so clean throughout this whole thing. Yeah. That it seemed like, um, you know, these are the bad guys. Yeah. Wolfgang should probably go. I don't even, I'll be honest, I hit my head, and I just started to realize what the situation is. Yeah. And uh, is crazy. Yeah, if anything, I shouldn't have rooted for <laughs> maybe Berlin. Wolfgang just pulls yeah, out his wallet. Champions League. I, uh, Wolfgang, <laughs> also with the ATF. Hello, I'm the wolf. I'm the wolfman. And also with the ATF. Maybe you've heard that. Yeah. Dude, I'm with the wolf department. You're all under vest. All of you. <laughs> Eight months later, gunmen attacked police headquarters in Dominica. The people... Uh, Oh, ten people died and nine were wounded. Reed was arrested. Major Fred Newton was also arrested. Newton would eventually be hanged for his attempted coup. Mike's lawyer worked out a deal. Mike was going to plead to violating the Neutrality Act and give up everyone and everything. Oh, boy. That night in the holding cell, he broke the news to all the mercenaries in jail. What? No. What? What is? Why? <sighs> Okay, so, I can't keep a secret. Okay, so guys, here's how it going to go. So I told you guys that we were working in the State Department and CIA and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But so what I did was I turned, I like, I told them everything. I said, you guys, you guys are fucked. So I think I'm, we could turn this toilet paper roll into a knife. So I'm good. But you guys should do something. You should do. Yeah, we should probably kill you. You should turn on each other. Or kill you. Well, you're going to kill me. You're a security guy. Right, fuck you. I'm from Vietnam. Like I was almost born in the war, you know? I'm probably so, going to kill you. Okay, good luck killing a war vet. Okay. Okay. Let's all kill him. <laughs> I'm ready to kill this man. Mike would be getting three years instead of a possible 50. The other mercenaries have been completely fucked by Mike Perdue. They all started to plead out. Seven pled guilty. Mike and Wolfgang got three years. Bob Pritchard was sent to a psychiatric <laughs> evaluation. <laughs> Chris Anderson openly wept in court. Oh, these guys just wanted a country. His wife had left him. His dad had had a heart attack. He told the judge, quote, a mercenary's life isn't ever, isn't ever fit for me. Don Black pleaded. <laughs> Did he not- sing it? A mercenary's life is not for me. A mercenary life is not for me. My wife left me. My dad has died. I am ready to get off the stinking ride. A mercenary's life, not for me. Don Black pleaded not guilty. 
Mike took the stand against Don. Mike also gave up the Houston investor, J.W. Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick was contacted by the FBI for an interview, and then he blew his brains out with a shotgun in his car. Two other investors faced trials but were found not guilty. Well, That really makes that dude regret killing himself. Congressman Ron Paul was named by Mike Perdue, but they could not produce enough evidence to take him to trial. They could not produce it. Thank you. You're welcome. KKK Grand Dragon Don Black and Donnie Hawkins, who had pled not guilty, were convicted and sentenced to three years. Wolfgang was deported when he was released from prison. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. I'm out. I'm sitting coach. Wolfgang's lady friend, Marion McGuire, was imprisoned in Dominica. She would be. For what? Because she was because she was because she was she because she turned a coup Mike on a vacation. Ratted, Mike ratted on everybody, including the lady. They she just, just looked like poolside. she was on a vacation. Yeah, poor girl. She would be sent back to Canada after two years. This happened just after there was a failed attempt to break her out of prison by a friend. Oh. Chris Anderson learned welding in prison and then opened a shop in Wichita. Oh boy. Bob Pritchard left the KKK. Quote, I behave myself. I stay out of trouble. In 1986, Mike Perdue was convicted in a check fraud scam and sent to prison for a few months. The FBI was getting tips. He was still involved in mercenary plots, but could not find any evidence. Perdue died of HIV in 1989. That's a turn. I don't know if his boyfriend, Ron Cox, whom he lived with, also had the disease. Sorry. Oh, did I not mention that Mike Perdue was gay? Not only that he was gay, but... Gay with Cox? Gay with Cox. You're correct. So he... Okay. Mike's obituary read, quote, he was affiliated with the Church of Christ and self-employed as a truck driver. They really omitted some stuff. Wolfgang came back to the U.S. and said... I'm back, everyone. Hello! Ah, You're in the wolf den. (laughs) He set up shop as a pot and cocaine dealer in the South. Oh, boy. He said he was doing it just to financially help the KKK. He was shot to death in 2005 by a customer. Well, a police spokesman, spokesman was asked, do you have any explanation as to why he was in his underwear at three in the afternoon? No, I don't. The police spokesman said, I can't explain that. Alrighty. Patrick John became a minister in the Anglican church in 2007. He was inducted into the Confederation of North Central and Caribbean football hall of fame for his quote, profound impact on football in the Commonwealth of Dominica. Don Black moved to Florida after prison and now runs the website Stormfront. Stormfront? What is Stormfront? It's the biggest KKK. It's the biggest white power website. Oh, it's God. fucking huge. Ugh. Stormfront's where they all go. It's their website. Ugh. Dominica remains one of the least developed islands in the Caribbean and was named one of the top 10 eco-tourist destinations for 2006. <sighs> wow. That's kind of like um, the coup of Goodfellas. <laughs> it's so much worse than that. Yeah, but it's well, like the Goodfellas. Good they actually did a fucking. They fucking did a crime, like a major crime, one of the <laughs> biggest crimes ever at the time. Like they, these guys, like if you compare it, these guys like robbed, robbed like a Volkswagen Beetle compared to what they did at Goodfellas. Yeah, but still, that. But if I mean, they would have. Yeah, I mean, it would have been quite a quite a score. This uh, this was called in the press the Bayou of Pigs. 
Yeah, adorable. As opposed to the Bay of Pigs. Adorable. Right? Beautiful press. It's a fucking great story. That is really insane. Yeah. Um, that, that turn of the ATF agents is amazing. Because you're, well, that's what's so great about it is like they always, they always when they when they have you, they really let you go up to the fucking edge. They do. They really let you be like, yeah. holy shit. As much, I'm going to be a general. As much evidence as possible because then they can just fucking throw yeah. you away forever. Yeah. The longer you then do it, then they're just it, like, all right, man. Oh, real quick, one more thing. You're under a fucking rest. <laughs> all right, what? Say what's a? Wow, that's crazy. Well, so wait, should be. Yeah. It makes you really. It makes you kind of. It's kind of motivating. Yeah. Go out there and do something with your yeah, life. Yeah. Look at these guys are doing shit. What are you Go doing? Go and do something. Do something. House. Do something. Don't you want an island? Let's move. Do you want an island? Hmm? Hey there, people listening to the Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I listen. I have a new podcast called "We're Here to Help" that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. <laughs> 